Hello, and welcome to the Prevenovate podcast by WorkRight Northwest. In this series, we will talk to experts in academia, industrial health and safety, elite athletics, and sports medicine to learn where innovation and prevention collide. We will highlight examples of how to properly prepare the industrial athlete to work safely and discuss the lessons we have learned in both industry and in athletics that we can use to drive prevention. Those that move for a living are industrial athletes, and we want to combine the best evidence from sports as well as from industry to guide best practices, empower the industrial athlete, and align everyone towards a higher level goal of prevention. In this episode, we will hear from Dr. Ali Alhamiri, founder of MODIS. Dr. Alhamiri has an extensive medical background treating musculoskeletal injuries, which led to his passion for better, not more care. As you will hear him talk about here, there is a divide in healthcare that incentivizes more treatment. However, more treatment is not always what the patient needs and can often lead to worse outcomes. Physicians are not penalized for worse outcomes. They are only monetarily incentivized for more treatment. This led to his quest to understand how to integrate prevention into the payment model that benefits both the patient and the physician. This care incentivized model is often abused in the occupational setting. The question for an employer then becomes, how do we get better care when people are injured? Today we have Dr. Ali Alhamiri uh, joining us on the Preventivate podcast. Um, how are you doing, Ali? Hi, good evening. Yeah, we're. I'm excited for today's conversation. Um, Ali and myself have gotten to spend quite a bit of time with each other over the last year and, and actually got introduced through colleagues and um, yeah, of all the conversations we have, I enjoy, but there's few that I have more involvement in and more excitement around than our conversation today between the two of us. I think it would be easy for me to give a background about who you are, Ali, and where you came from, but I, I thought instead of me talking about you, I'd spend more time getting you to talk about yourself. Um, do you want to share with our listeners kind of a quick bio on where you are and, and also a, a quick, you know, one or two sentence statement on what, what you're doing with MODIS? Sure. Um, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited uh, to share with your listener audience um, our ideas and our um, philosophy. So I'm a private, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm a I'm a physical medicine rehab doctor in private practice in the suburb of Detroit since 2002. Um, I went to medical school in Baghdad, Iraq, moved to this country on 4th of July, 1995, um, and um, did my residency at Wayne State University. And um, since graduation, I've been private practice, treated thousands of patients with musculoskeletal issues, and that led to um, the pain points that we um, dealt with throughout these years uh, led to building MODIS. Um, and MODIS is a digital healthcare technology system um, that rates, um, that finds, rates, and rewards doctors um, who serve the best interest of their patients um, and the payers um, of healthcare. Man, that, I learned something new today. I didn't know it was the 4th of July when you yeah, came to the States. 
<laughs> uh, it is significant. I, I call it my second birthday. So uh, uh, that date is, is very uh, uh, near and dear to my heart. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, you talked about MODIS being this digital technology that finds rates awards physicians um, who, who serve the best interests of the patients as well as their employer groups. Um, you know, I think that's a fantastic statement, but, and that really is what connected the two of us together. We're on this constant quest for understanding how to integrate prevention and, and drive this mission of, of keeping people healthy and safe as opposed to fixing broken people. But there is an element where we, we need to understand how do we get better care when people are injured, whether it be a work-related or non-work-related issue. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, ultimately, it, it would be, you know, considering those secondary and tertiary prevention strategies. Um, they're both about minimizing exposure from incident and also getting worse or impacting the overall extent of an incident after it occurs. And that's, that's where MODIS is really doing some exciting things, working to solve I believe, and you would agree, I know, the systemic problems facing injured workers and, and corporations alike. Um, maybe to start our conversation, do you mind highlighting uh, for us the systemic issues that you see in our current healthcare system and, and a couple of key areas where we need systemic change to drive the landscape towards a true healthcare system as opposed to a, a sick care system? So uh, the way we pay for healthcare is a pain point for everyone. Um, <clears throat> patients, of course, um, uh, about a third of bankruptcies are uh, related to medical bills. Um, employers who pay for the care, and of course the clinicians who take care of these patients on a daily basis, and they have to um, chase their bills um, and make sure that they're getting paid and staying in business. Um, the way we pay for healthcare, uh, most commonly it's fee for service. Um, so the more doctors and providers will do, the more they get paid. On the other end, on the other extreme, capitation or uh, HMO care, which would be the less the doctors will provide care, the more of the money they keep um, that they get paid on a regular basis. So the two extremes um, does not help the patient outcome. Um, we want the care to be better and lower cost. So we want to bring the two extremes together and we want to pay for better, not more or less care. I think that's that's fantastic. Better, not more. I I couldn't couldn't agree more. You know, we were talking a few weeks back, and and uh, you told me a story that I thought was super powerful. You were talking about how how um, you know physicians often sell fear to promote their services, and even to the extent that it, it'll push on the borders of evidence-based practice. You mind sharing the story and and kind of outline what we can learn from this? <clears throat> So full disclosure, I believe the majority of, of my colleagues, the physicians are very decent people who are trying to do their best to help their patients um, and put the interests of the patient before their own. Um, of course, there's a maybe, small- Maybe I should stop you real fast and say, I agree. I completely okay. agree. And so I don't want um, the conversation to feel like we're steering in a different direction. Um, sure. I agree. 
but I think the systems you outlined earlier is, is a challenge and it can kind of lead to some of this gray area. And, yeah. and I think that's what we may be talking about. Absolutely. So patients, when they're injured or sick, um, there is a lot of anxiety and fear. Some of it is rational. A lot of it is irrational. Finding the right doctor who would take care of these patients and give them a realistic projection of their condition, a prognosis, and an objective opinion of how to treat them and get them back to functioning higher, doing better, taking care of their family, their patients. So finding that type of doctor is essential. So choosing the doctors who do um, more on the conservative side. So in, in our way of looking at data, we can recognize doctors who do aggressive care which we define as care that is usually um, lead to opiate dependency, um, long-term disability, and um, in a lot of times is very expensive. So we want to find the doctors who do better care, uh, not necessarily cheaper because the, we, we're not trying to do cheap care. We want care that is better in getting people functioning higher. So even if that care is expensive, it's worth it to get people back into function and taking care of their family and their business and, and work and so forth. The fear factor is significant because everyone would have that anxiety level um, when they have an injury or an illness. So finding a doctor who can um, tell them the truth and the realistic treatment option would be really important versus doctors who try to sell them on more procedures and surgeries using fear. So things would, um, you will hear, uh, my doctor said, uh, if I don't do this, I'll have permanent nerve damage. Or they will see a patient and say, oh, I'm surprised you're not in a wheelchair. Um, if not, you'll be in a wheelchair in a year or two. So things like that, that people take us very seriously as doctors. We, we're very highly regarded in the society we're in. Um, and sometimes some of these doctors would take advantage of that respect and admiration and not serve the patient interest, but they serve their own interest. I think my favorite one, or, or the one that I hear the most, is maybe a better way to put it, is is um, your bone on bone. You know, that sounds <laughs> horrific when you imagine that, right? Um, Absolutely. But uh, the you, worst when you would I want heard, some form of care. The, the worst one I heard is, uh, if I don't do this, you'll be like Christopher Reeve. Um, and, <laughs> and that's a, it's, it's a very sad, for someone who has a, a simple pinch nerve, they would be, they're, they're told that, so. You know, maybe as we dive into this, you know, I'm curious, you know, what role does quality play in the physician's reimbursement? You know, we're talking about this fee-for-service or capitated model, depending on the spectrum. Where does quality play into that? Is there a difference in reimbursement based on, you know, evidence-based guidelines, or is it is it just a fee schedule? It's a fee schedule. We're all treated the same way. Um, Medicare and major payers had introduced quality metrics. So Medicare has 257 quality metrics that basically effort-based. 
So they required doctors to click into their electronic systems um, if they check on smoking cessation or they check body mass index and so forth. So it's all asking them to do more clicking. Uh, Blue Cross has 85. Um, and the payment is not significant enough to change behavior. So the change in payment based on the quality um, is not big enough to cause an impact in the behavior that people um, conduct themselves with. Yeah, so that, that leads to some challenging incentives, right? And, and you hit on this earlier, but uh, you know, there's not a, a, there's not a priority for a provider to necessarily be exceptional because it doesn't change their market as much. But on the other side of that, you know, the paying side, the employer side, and and I think you could make an equal statement the the patient side. We want quality. We want to recognize who's the best because ultimately we want to be better, and we want to be better quicker, right? Is there any way currently out there that um, either employers or, uh, you know, the worker, injured worker, um, has the capability of evaluating that other than MODIS? So most people would ask um, a trusted friend or neighbor um, about a doctor. Um, a lot of times they will do a Google search and you get people who are really impressed and happy. Um, or really upset um, to rate someone on Google. And it's not always fair to the doctor um, to go by that. Um, but there's not actually a transparent or open um, um, way to recognize which doctor will help patients more than others. Um, to give you an example, I practice um, 15 minutes south of Detroit and I live about 30 minutes north of Detroit, um, I can tell you the best doctors in musculoskeletal care around where I practice because I've dealt with them over the years, but I have no idea, and I'm, I'm, I'm an insider in that industry. I have no idea uh, in which doctor to choose when I'm um, where I live because I haven't seen their work product and I can endorse them or um, otherwise, so it's very difficult for everyone, uh, even people who are in the uh, insiders in the industry. Well, and extrapolate that out to, you know, say a multi-state, multinational corporation that's got 100,000 employees scattered throughout the U.S. And you've got to understand those marketplaces in every single city. It, it makes it challenging. And that that really is one of the big draws to to. I think this conversation and the value and what you guys have been working towards with Modus is essentially you can start to create many centers of excellence anywhere, right? You identify who the best people are, who are providing the best quality. And I think a key part that you brought up was not necessarily the cheapest. What you're most concerned about is the right care at the right time for the right person. And you can essentially start to map that out and drive uh, that information to the to the people that need it, the 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 injured workers and and the employer groups that are that are paying for it um, throughout the U.S. Correct? Absolutely. So so with Modus, um, we built um, a system that use uh, publicly available data. So some of it is from Medicare and um, uh, and other payers, and we can use. Um, uh, employers own claims data to 
categorize care, um, we categorize it in um, aggressive um, and non-aggressive care. Um, so we can tell them what population had received aggressive care compared to the rest of their claims. And the same process we can apply to the providers in a certain geography. So you tell me the state, we put a zip code in, and we can tell you um, the ratings, aggressive versus non-aggressive care to almost all type of musculoskeletal providers, surgeons, <clears throat> therapists, um, physical medicine, rehab doctors. Um, so it's a, it's a way to bring in transparency uh, to the process and, not, and take the guessing out of um, the whole system. No, I think that's fantastic. Um, you know, we talked about this before, but there is there is a massive divide. I mean, you could argue it's like Grand Canyon size divide between corporations and the healthcare providers that serve their employees. Now, I would I would tell you that it's rare that I hear an employer group talk positively about the physicians that treat their employees, and I'm talking specifically the workers' comp side here. Uh, there's there's a lot of great doctors out there as well, but that's that's where my space is is more acutely aware. Um, but but we both believe it doesn't have to be this way. We we've both seen the possibilities where, the, you know, the relationships can be different, can be successful. What would you say are some of the key components to a mutually beneficial relationship between healthcare providers, workforce, and and corporations all alike? So I think that the the biggest challenge is to um, trust the, the good doctors to have responsible autonomy. Um, and the way I describe the thought process of doctors, you want doctors with doubt. Doubt is a good thing. Um, you want them to think through a process and always consider anything, why, anything I, I, I treat the patient with with the benefit outweighs the risk. If that it's a pill, it's a therapy intervention, injection, surgery, we always need to think benefit is more than the risk and weigh that in. It's always uh, a process that we weigh the, the benefits versus risk. Occasionally you hear someone who would say, I did this because it's the last resort which makes absolutely no sense this, because it would be the equivalent of, um, I have, um, if I have bugs in my house and instead of um, um, hiring Orkin pest control to come and, and, and exterminate the bugs, I would go and hire an arsonist and say, just burn down the house as a last resort to get rid of the bugs. I will be homeless and will have more bugs in my house after the fact. So applying something as a last resort um, implies that um, it would be beneficial. And a lot of times it's not. The right philosophy should be we're treating someone because we think the benefit outweighs the risk and the harm that comes out of their treatment. If the doctors are responsible enough to take charge, be the steward of the care of that patient and take responsibility for their outcomes, their function, 
and be engaged enough that they can help that population get better, then a system like MODIS would simplify the process of reporting to an employer or third-party administrator because we focus on four key metrics. Um, instead of 257 for Medicare and 85 for Blue Cross, we have four. Um, the first one is the doctor applying best practice standards. So the system can measure and get them that feedback um, if they're following best standards in real time or not. So that's one. The second is patient reported function. So the patient is functioning higher, relatively higher compared to what we started with. That's a plus for me that I help patients get better. My population is doing better. So I should be paid more, rewarded for that. The third one is patient satisfaction and cost. So these four metrics will decide the rating that MODIS would apply to a doctor or therapist. And we rate them as uh, bronze, silver, and gold. And of course, the payment reward um, would be depending on that rating process. Yeah, as I'm listening to you talk about it, it just it, it, it I'm, I'm thinking through. Well, what could the um, you know the fears be in this space? And ultimately, I think as a consumer, as a as a in, as a patient, you know, our fear would be that there could be ulterior, ulterior motives or ulterior incentives, kind of like what we've been talking about before that we deliver care because of of reimbursement or or it impacts our our care preference based on on uh, reimbursement models um, but ultimately modus addresses that through transparency it's a transparency model it, it allows everyone in the process to have a clear understanding of is this in line with best practice is this what's best most suited for care and then ultimately when it is let's let's take care of those providers and pay them more and, and let's also try and funnel our people to them it's it's a fantastic model, fantastic idea, and and I think transparency is a good thing, especially in an in, in industry that has so little of it. Right? There's so much that we just don't know, and we, we've all lived through um, experiences where we get the bill and we've got ten different things from the hospital system on that bill that we didn't know happened. So I think the transparency side of this is is fantastic. Hey, I'm going to ask That's you. Good. I'm going to tra transition Go a little bit. I'm going to ask you to look into the crystal ball. Um, you know, how do you believe physicians can begin to move forward in the prevention process, you know, towards, you know, maybe outside of that secondary and tertiary level and, and into the more primary prevention strategies, or is it even possible? So I think fee for service discourages long-term engagement with a patient because it's very mm -hmm. transactional. Um, we did our visit or we did our procedure and that's how we get paid for it. There is no reward for the overall outcome of that patient. What MODIS does is link that outcome of that patient population to the doctor or therapist who are treating them. So there's an incentive for people to be fully engaged and making sure that patients are served well and they do better and they function higher. In our system today, there is a huge administrative burden that we deal with every day. Um, 
the clicking, the mind numbing clicking that we deal with, um, the pre-auth process that we have to pre-authorize. Basically a third party administrator will have a list of best practice guidelines and they say yes or no for something that they think is not best practice. We wanna take that responsibility and give it to the doctors and therapists so they'll be responsible and have their autonomy in dealing with that population and be rewarded if they help patients get better. And if they don't, then they, get, they make less. If they do better, they make more. Today, the system treats all of us the same way. We all have to be paid the same way. We all have to do the administrative process, pre-auth, and collect our bills months after the fact, um, get discounted on our fees. And that creates a lot of frustration. Um, and then you'll find good clinicians um, would have a hard time functioning in that system. And they just stop taking work home because it's too much headache for them. That, mm -hmm. leaves, that leaves a huge um, gap, which would be filled by um, uh, poorly incentivized doctors. Doctors who take advantage of these people would do more procedures because when you discount physicians or therapists, the quality would be reduced. So what happens, people mm -hmm. will start doing more volume of it and more of it. And of course that doesn't serve the patient or the employer in that process. Right, and, and I think, you know, we're not gonna name names, but we all know systems that operate in that space and, and no one's happy, not the patient, not the employer. And the doctors don't stick around in those groups very long either because they're not happy. And so it's a lose, lose, lose for everyone. You know, I could speak to this for hours and, and this, this topic and the healthcare system fascinates me. It's, it's really what our vision is all about is how do we put a dent in healthcare and how do we prioritize prevention over treatment? And um, with that said, though, um, you know, we try and keep these uh, conversations to a, you know, a 20 to 30 minute conversation. So I want to bring up a couple things as we bring it to a close, Ali, that I thought were just so powerful that you said. Uh, one of them being that uh, pay for healthcare is a pain point for everyone involved. Um, it leads to bankruptcies for personal, um, you know, in individuals that partake in the healthcare system. Uh, you know, budgets are rising to the to the corporations, and it's becoming more and more of a burden to the employer groups. And then ultimately, reimbursements are decreasing for physicians, so it's it's a pain point there. So it's absolutely a challenge that we've seen on on all three fronts. And and honestly, it gets me to question who does succeed or who does win in this system. That's a rhetorical question, but uh, it, you guys have identified an area that that is painful for most everyone involved. Um, my other takeaway that I, I highlighted and wrote down is, you know, we need to stay away from those, those arsonist scenarios, uh, the last resort philosophy, and really trying to understand how do we get the best care at the right time and, and do, that, do that most appropriately. So I really enjoy the conversation. I appreciate you taking this time. You know, if our listeners are trying to find you online, Ollie, where can they, where can they find you? Where's the best place? Our website is modus.org, M-O-U-D-S.com. Um, 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 and uh, I'm sorry, I think I spelled modus wrong. M-O-D-U-S. Yeah, I, I guess I did write. Uh, <laughs> um, 
the last point I want to make is that um, finding a doctor that you can trust is really invaluable. Um, it, it, it would create a great um, sense of um, well-being and a great sense of, um, it's, a, it's a good gesture for employers to find good qualified physicians that service um, their population. And let, uh, we can help with a system of trust. We can get to a trust score that you can reward doctors, you can trust, take care of your patients and minimize um, poor outcomes and higher expenses. So, so that's what our philosophy is finding doctors you can trust to take care of your population the right way. No, and I think that's a good thing to clarify at the end is we, we get that so caught up in focusing on what can we do to fix problems that we, we sometimes can have the unintended consequence of uh, coming across like we're, we're bashing on providers. I, I completely agree with you that nine out of 10 providers are, are great. And ultimately, we and go into this with the desire to care for people and the passion to help them. Um, and so I think we align on that. It's, it's just a system that's flawed and it's leading to poor outcomes and, and ultimately pain points like you identified across the board. So, you know, I, I want to thank you, Ali, for taking the time to share with our listeners and, and ultimately inspiring us to think about the system opportunity differently. Um, you know, at work, we aim to make an impact that's greater than ourselves. And I think it's obvious while listening to you that and the work you've done at MODIS is, is a path towards doing the same. Um, and, and, and you ultimately align with this vision. You know, I think we're all better for hearing from you. You know, and, and to our listeners, you know, wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you can take a minute to like the podcast, you know, write, write a review if you have a second or share it on your social platforms, it makes a huge difference for us. You know, the more attention these podcasts get, the, the further we're able to spread our vision for prevention and, and innovation in the workplace. So we appreciate you guys all. Thank you for taking the time to listen and, and have a great day. Thank you. To our listeners, thank you for joining us and helping on our mission to educate and empower the industrial athlete. Please reach out through our website, WorkRight Northwest, for feedback, questions, or more information on who we are and what we can do for you. We have resources for clinicians, safety professionals, and industrial athletes, and often post on topics we find useful within the industry on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram. You can also find great videos and instruction on our YouTube page. Come check us out. We hope to hear from you soon.